My name's Leah Morgan. I've been at the House of Prayer since, I think we started in 1999. Um, I've been on the Night Watch um, probably since the beginning, and I'm a prophetic singer on Shauna Forey's team, and I also work some with um, Fire in the Night, the program. It's a three, three to six month internship that the Night Watch has. So um, I just wanna pray um, for us, well, probably more for myself. <laughs> before we start so lord i just i thank you for your presence jesus we just invite you holy spirit we invite your presence holy spirit i ask that you would fill this room with your presence Father, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be poured out in this room. God, we say that we are hungry to know what you're really like and what you're really feeling and what you're really thinking and what you're really doing in the earth. We don't want to be persuaded by media. We don't want to be persuaded by the thoughts and the intents of men, but we want to know what burns within the heart of the Trinity. We want to know what is hidden in the secret regions of the Trinity. We wanna fellowship with you. We wanna know for real what you're like. So here we are, God. Father, here we are. We ask for your presence. We ask for revelation. Father, I ask for understanding to be loosed in this room. It says in James 1, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Father, we approach you today, and we ask that you would come a little closer. You'd reveal just a little more of the unending beauty and unsearchable riches that is hidden in you. I ask for every heart here, God, that you would give them more of yourself. There is so much more to you than we know at this current moment, God, and we ask for the more. We ask for the the, the gift that is you, that you would release more. I ask for every heart here, God, that you would expand the capacity of every heart to contain a little bit more of you on this side. Father, meet us. Holy Spirit, do what you love to do. As you search the deep things of God, make them known to us in this room. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, for those of you that were here the last session, Jessica talked about intimacy with God, and she talked about why we want to be friends of God. So in this seminar, we're going to talk a little bit just about how to be friends of God. And honestly, I think it's a hilarious thing for me to stand in front of all of you and say that too. How do we become friends of God? You know, all of you have histories and all of you have an understanding of the Lord that I have something that I could learn from which is the beauty of the body of Christ is that the man Jesus Christ it says that his greatness is unsearchable and his understanding is unfathomable and as we even in fellowship with one another we get to find out more of who this amazing person is who this beautiful man Jesus is that we get to encounter him even in each other as we just talk about what he's like and what his beauty is like. So I just want to um, <clears throat> just talk a little bit. If you have your Bibles with you, if you would turn with me um, 
to Luke 10. This is the one thing conference, so I might as well just use the verse about the one thing. And I want it to be more than just rhetoric. I want us to really get into, I want to wrestle with the verse. I want us to wrestle with the understanding that one thing is needed. In Matthew, I mean, in Luke 10, 42, it's the story of Martha and Mary. And everyone in this room has probably read this verse, has probably heard about it. And Jesus is with these sisters, and Martha is serving, and Mary is sitting at, at Jesus' feet. And there's a, a verse pr- prior to verse 42. It's um, oh. in 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And so at the end of the verse here in 42, it says, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And I, I love, I'll, I'll first talk about my favorite thing I've always loved about that verse is the verb chosen. That the, the, the thing that Jesus is saying here, I mean, he says that one thing is needed, but the, the beautiful part about us getting to be humans and that we get to approach, um, well, we get to approach the Trinity, which if you pause for a moment and think about that for a second, it's wrong. It's wrong that me and my weak flesh get to stand before the perfection of beauty. I get to stand before the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit every single day and make my requests known to them. And not only make my requests known to them, they desire my request. They desire me to stand before them and say, I want you to do what you want to do in the earth. Will you come a little closer? The, the, the Trinity is longing for my interaction with them. And that's this, this chosen word that is used in this passage. Mary has chosen the good part. The, the best part about intimacy with God is that we get to choose it. That we, every day that you woke up today and you had, um, you had two options before you. You only had two. I think that's wonderful. You had two options today. You could, one, either turn and walk into the Lord, or you could turn and walk away from him. Those were your options when you woke up today. And I love that Jesus gave us options. Most days I don't love it because I hate making decisions. I I so often, since I've been a Christian, I remember thinking when I got saved, I remember uh, the day that I got saved, and I remember... Um, meeting some people who had known the Lord for a long time, and I just remember thinking, wow, I can't wait to ascend the mountain of the Lord and be where they're at and, you know, have this understanding of God. And, I mean, I, I just assumed that everything in the walk went like this. You know, I thought it was this upward climb to this ascension, and then you become this, like, amazing super saint. And as the years... <laughs> Well, as you can see, I'm not up the mountain. The, the amazing super saint uh, idea came crashing real quick, you know, after I got saved. And I, I'm just amazed at um, how often I hate the freedom that I have as a human being that the Lord dignifies me with, that I wake up and he goes, what do you desire today? What are you going to choose and I so often am going, I am weak. My, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Like, I don't, oh, I have to choose it. Please just make me today. Make, just make me love you today. Make me make all the right choices today. Make me not give in to the lust of the flesh, but make me walk in amazing righteousness. 
And the Lord is going, the Lord looks at me and goes, Mary has chosen the good part, Leah. What do you choose today? And so today I woke up and I had a choice. The Lord dignified me as a human being and he honored me as a human being by going, what do you choose in me? Like, I, I'm after something in you, but I want you to choose it. I want voluntary love to burst forth out of your heart. All of us in this room, there, as much as you want to know about intimacy with God and as much as you want to be filled with him, he's after you even more than you're after him. But he will not violate your free will. As a human being, he has honored you and he has glorified you by giving you a choice that you get every day. You get to give him the most amazing offering. You get to give him the most beautiful fragrance before his throne. And it's the fact that in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, in the midst of the spirit of this age and everything that's throwing itself at you in this life, that you get to wake up and look at him in the face and go, I choose you today. I do not choose the lust of my flesh. I'm not going to give in to the spirit of the age that's knocking on my door and alluring me and trying to draw me deeper and deeper in, but I'm going to choose you in love. And that, that is the most amazing offering that you can give him in intimacy with him, that you choose him. So it says that Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And that one thing is needed. This, this passage is so, so little and so simple, but there are so many hidden, hidden truths that are in this passage that all we have to do is jump into it. I found in my, um, in my years that I've been growing in the Lord and, and learning from him and learning about him, that the more that I um, lay down all of my lofty opinions about what he's like and all of my illusions and misconceptions, the more he actually gets to be himself. I found as I'm reading the word, instead of me coming into the word, instead of me, when I sit before him and I look at this beautiful thing, instead of me going, well, this is what I heard about the one thing is needed and this is what I think about it. And I stand over this thing going, I think you say this. And I found that the less that I do that and let this living, breathing, active word stand over me and declare the truth over me. My heart actually gets awakened to truth and to reality. And there's so much more in, a in one little verse, you know, in verse 42 here. That's one little verse. But there is a, a depth and a richness in that one verse if I'll, let, if I'll dive in to that uh, wave after wave of the knowledge of God that's breaking over us. It says in Psalm 42 that deep is calling out to deep that at the noise of his waterfalls all his waves and breakers come crashing over me that this deep is crawling out to the deep in us and if we just get under it you let that wave after wave of the knowledge of God come crashing over you that one little verse will unlock hidden truths that are in the man Jesus Christ and you will start having understanding that you have never understood about the word it's it's shocking it says here that in verse 39 that Mary, she, this girl Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And in intimacy with God, there are two things that he asks of us. There are two things, like you're re we are required some things. How many of you in your friendships with your friends, they just, you talk the whole time and there's no interaction required for you to grow in intimacy? Isn't that hilarious that we approach the Lord like that? 
that we approach him with all of this stuff and we talk and 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 this is this and this is this and we don't stop and listen. We treat him differently even than we treat our own friends. We approach relationship with him. I do it all the time. I approach relationship with him so different than I do in the natural realm and I'm going, and he's looking at me going, I made the natural realm too, Leah. It's all mine. I'm, I'm everywhere. It's, I'm everywhere. It's, all of it is mine. And to not, and to actually sit before him, she sat at his feet and heard his words. That there's a sitting before him and there's a hearing that's required of us. That we are required to sit before him. We are required to actually hear the things that are coming out of his mouth. And I'm sure at this conference many of you have heard so many things about what is coming on the face of the earth, that crisis is coming to the face of the earth. And if you haven't heard it and you don't believe that you're living in the end times, I would in just encourage you to um, read the book of Revelation, to read through all of the epistles and the, the charges that the Apostle Paul gave to the church, that they are all true for us today. And you can, you can look at the media and realize that things are escalating in the earth. The, the womb of the earth is getting ready to give birth. And the birth is going to, we're, we're about to be in birth pangs. And if you read in Matthew, it starts talking. In Matthew 24, it begins to talk about what is going to happen at the end of the age. And it's kind of frightening as you start to read it because you're going, uh, whoa, if you start reading it with the morning news, it starts to get a little freaky. And, and if that doesn't even convince you, the scary thing is, and, and another sign to me, is even unbelievers are feeling it. And so how much more we need to be awakened to what's happening in the earth, that crisis is coming in, in the earth, that things are happening in the heart of God right now. And we, as the body of Christ, we need to be acquainted with his ways. We need to be walking in fellowship and communion with the Trinity. We need to know what his intentions are. We need to know what his plans are in the earth. We need to know where he's going. We need to know what he's thinking and what he's feeling. And we need to commune and fellowship with him. And we do that by sitting. We need to sit at his feet and we actually need to hear the words that are coming out of his mouth. And that is the beautiful thing about this girl, Mary, that she actually could hear what he had to say. She heard what he had to say. And it's interesting, another interesting thing about her is when you think about it, later on in, Mar in Mark 14, it tells the story of when she took her alabaster vial and she poured it all over his feet. And when they asked her, she, he says later that she was anointing him for his burial. Now, Jesus had been talking to, this, to the disciples for years about what was coming and what was going to happen and what you know where things were headed that he was going to the cross that he was going to die and even the night before he was crucified i mean the night before the, the they came to get him the three days before peter stands up his one of his closest three who was on the mount of transfiguration with jesus who saw you know moses and elijah who heard the thunder from heaven. He heard the thunder from heaven say, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is the same guy we're talking about. Peter stands up and says, not you, Lord. Like, it's not, that's not what's going to happen. And the Lord looks at one of his closest friends and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, that was one of his closest friends. Now, here's this little Jewish girl, Mary. It's a couple days, it's two days, I think, before they were coming to get him. They're, they're having a feast. 
She comes in with this vial of perfume that they, they assume costs, it was like about a $20,000 vial of perfume. It was her whole life. Uh, they assume that her parents had died when she was young and it was her sister, that's why they call it her sister Martha's house, that Martha and Lazarus and Mary were all younger, young adults. Mary probably wasn't, not, probably not even 20. She walks into this room and takes her entire life that, that little vial that she carried in there was her past, her present, and her future. It's everything that she, she was, everything that she would be. And she takes that thing, walks through the whole room. Now, let's, let's think of the scenario for a second. Jewish culture, mind you. Jesus was considered a rabbi at the time. This little Jewish girl walks in with this vial, walks right past everybody. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? I mean, I, I read it and it offends me. Imagine that she walks into this room, plus women weren't even, there were no women there, obviously. They, that's the way this, the schooling goes with the rabbis and all that. And there were no women there. She walks in with this vial. And can you imagine, now this is the girl, mind you, who heard him. She knew who he was. And she believed, the, be, the, the great thing about her too, because she sat at his feet and heard him, she actually believed what he said. And the thing, the thing that is so um, convicting to my heart is that of all of the people that he was with at that time, she was one of the few who actually knew and believed him that what was coming was coming, that he was actually going to be crucified, that he was actually going to his greatest moment of sorrow. And she walks into that room with her entire life in her hands, walks through that room. Can you imagine the accusation? I mean, I just can't even imagine what... The things that were said, I mean, look at that girl. What does she think she's doing? Who does she think she is? You know, you can just imagine the scenario. You can imagine the, the voice of the accuser. You can imagine what she was feeling. But I can also imagine what she looked like when she walked in there holding her whole life going, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly who I'm looking at. I know exactly what this is about. And dumps everything that she is, everything that she was, and everything that she will be, and anoints him. She takes her entire life and anoints him with her entire life. Can you imagine the fragrance of that $20,000 vial of perfume? That thing got all over him. And the beautiful thing about that is it got all over her too. And can you imagine Jesus is carrying that cross through Jerusalem? Can you imagine he still smells like it? And she still smells like him. Can you imagine the memorial that she was, even walking around Israel after he was crucified, bearing the fragrance of a life that was completely given over to him? And the disciples, she was one of the few people who actually, he, Jesus said, she anointed me for my burial. That she heard what he said and she believed him and she did it. She's like, you know what? You are the son of God. You are going to die. And if that's the case, if you're going to die, then I want to anoint you with everything I have. Now, how does that apply to us today? That beautiful man is coming again. That beautiful man is going to touch down on the earth again. And all of you have a vial of perfume. And it's called your heart. Everyone in this room has that same offering and that same opportunity as before us today. And what happened to us this day is we don't have the, like I'm not standing here right now with Jesus in the flesh looking at me, but it says that he was with, the word was with God and the word was God. 
we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father that we've been given this beautiful gift that we get to interact with him. We get to encounter him every single day. You can experience and encounter him every single moment of every single day, and it's right here. It's right here. And you have an offering that's, you have an extravagant offering that's available to you right now. You have a vial. You have been given something that you can waste at his feet. And so how are we going to prepare for when the Son of Man again is on the earth? When his feet touch down, what are you going to do with that vial? And today is what he wants to know what you're gonna do with that vial. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not the next day, not two weeks ago. Today, what is your response to him today? You have that right now, your heart. Your heart is so valuable to the Lord that you can, you can, st- you can wake up today and go, I love you and I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna choose to give you every part of my heart today. That before the throne of God, that is such an amazing sacrifice and a pleasing aroma to the Father that you would do that. And you have that before you today. You have the option before you today to waste your life, to be like that girl Mary, that you can take your vial, you can take that $20,000 vial, and you can stand before a generation that's wicked and perverse, that's leading us further and further and further down the path of destruction. And you can walk through that crowd of accusers and look at that man and go, I know who you are. I know what you did. I know what you're going to do. And I say, true and righteous are your judgments. Great and marvelous are your works in the earth. Just and true is every single one of your ways. And I'm going to waste my life today and tomorrow and the next day and pour my vial all at your feet. And that vial is your heart. And you waste it every day at his feet. Jesus does not require extravagance from you. I'm not going to stand before you and tell you that to be in the kingdom, he requires that kind of extravagant offering from your heart every day. But he, d- he would love it. He doesn't require it of us. That's, I love Micah 6. Micah 6, 6 through 8, it says that it's a passage. The prophet is talking. He says, well, what do I come before the Lord? What, what do I bring to him? You know, should I bring the fruit, of the, bo- the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And it says, no, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. My worship team, we sing this a lot. That verse is translated in a really easy way. You simply bring your broken heart before him and you bow real low. You get real low. That's what that looks like. He doesn't require extravagance, but he invites you to it. He invites you to waste your life. He invites you to have as much of him as you want to have on this side. And extravagance looks like two things. Number one, you want to do it. That's what extravagance is. You want to do it. You don't have to. You want to do it. And number two, you have no regard for the cost. It doesn't stress you out how much it costs. You just, you just want to do it. Your heart is so undone that you want to do it and you're going to jump. You're just going to do it anyway. That's what extravagance is. It's very simple. It's so much more practical and less ethereal than we make it. And I just want to encourage you. I found myself 
um, in this journey of extravagance, in this journey of wasting my vial, that so often I want to make it so much more difficult than it is to walk in fellowship and communion with the Lord, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I will read, if some, someone would say, this is the newest book to get closer to the Lord, this is the, the newest thing that you need to read, this is about intimacy with God, I would get it. I'd read it. I'm like, oh, that's how I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to do it. And especially at the House of Prayer, there are so many amazing teachers and there's so many amazing messages. I mean, every week I could be studying a new thing and on a new path and on a, on a different way. And there is a verse in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, and it's Paul, and he's charging the Corinthians. He says, do not deviate from the simplicity that is Jesus Christ. And that exhortation is still very true for us today, especially in the Western world. We have more pamphlets and booklets and how-tos and how-not-tos and this is the word of the Lord today and it's not even close to the word of the Lord today because it doesn't even, what this on there is not even what's in the Bible. This is the newest self-help book. I don't know about you, I, self-help books are not helpful. Nothing in them is biblical. Everything that I've read in the Gospels about self, like the term self-help, everything about the Gospel is about not yourself. John the Baptist, what does he say? I must decrease so that you can increase inside of me. We don't need our, our self-help. We need ourselves crucified. I need him to crucify myself today. Because every time, every day that I don't choose crucifixion, every day that I don't choose the cross, is another day that I deviate from the simplicity that is Jesus Christ. Every day that I try to find another excuse for why I'm not walking with him, for why I'm not sitting before him, for why I'm not hearing what he's saying, and why I don't know what's going on with his heart, is me deviating and finding a second route from the simplicity that is Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you, if you are going... What does it look like? How do I do it? I just, I'm not sure. I, I mean, it's got to be harder than this. It's got to be more complex. There is nothing ethereal and nothing, um, there's no vain glory about walking with the Lord. It's not that high that we cannot attain to it. It is not that mysterious. Deuteronomy 32, it says that it's not that high and it's not that mysterious, that it's already written upon you, that his word is already in your heart and in your mouth that you may what? It says that you may do it. What we need in this hour is we need to get up. Perfect example, marathoners. If you're a runner in this room, you know, if you want to begin to exercise, you don't make a plan for 12 weeks on how you're going to begin to get your legs on the floor so you can get your toes moving in the right way so that your calf muscles working just right so that you've got the perfect stride. No, you wake up one morning, you put your sneakers on and your ratty sweatshirt on and you get out on your street and you run and that's how you train for a marathon. You run, all you do is run. And we as believers have done that so much. I've found in my life, I've done it so much. I get this 12-week plan where I'm like, okay, so this is where my foot goes just right, and then, then this is how my muscle's gonna work to support my leg, to make me a runner, and 
That is not how we grow in intimacy with God. You put your feet down and you look forward and you run with endurance the race that is set before you. And you don't deviate from the simplicity that is Jesus Christ. So how do we do this today? How do we today, in a practical way, do this? How do we waste our lives? How do we take our cue from that girl Mary before the second coming of Jesus Christ? And how do we pour our hearts out before him since that's the only offering he's looking for today? If you have a pen, I just encourage you to get it out. This is going to be real simple. I'm going to give you five little points that are just everyday things that we need to do, that we need to get our hearts aligned with his, that we need to draw near to this everlasting flame that's already drawn near to us. Number one, we make a covenant with our eyes. You want to grow in intimacy with God? Then you set no worthless thing before your eyes. He has unending beauty. It says that he is the perfection of beauty. Do you know what that means for us? We can tap into things that, we, that, that, this, that this earth cannot even begin to fathom. You set no worthless thing before your eyes. And this includes too much innocent media. Including that. Families, if you're a parent in this room, I would encourage you. It will be so hard um, to hold the line on the covenant with the eyes, even for your children. Can you imagine what would happen if a generation was not trained in what this spirit of this age is cha training the generation in. I don't know about you, but the stuff that is coming across the radio, the stuff that is coming across that internet, the stuff that is coming across that TV, commercials even today are off, off the charts. And, and it's only two, it's, we're only about to hit 2007. Can you imagine what will happen if a generation of young people has not been feasting and indulging their eyes in the spirit of this age. And can you imagine that they've been raised looking at unending beauty, that they've been raised looking at the glorious, beautiful God. And that's their, their standard of what their eyes are being set, set before. What you give your eyes to is what you're filled with. It says that the eye is the lamp to the body. So if you're look, what you're looking at is what's illuminating your body. So if you set your eyes on no worthless thing, if you set your eyes on beautiful and glorious, the branch of the Lord, can you imagine what the inside of your body is going to be like? Can you imagine what your inner man is going to be like? Some verses for that is Psalms 101.3, Job 31.1, Luke 11.34-36. The second thing, you bridle your tongue. We replace complaining, boasting, foolish talk, gossip, coarse jesting. We replace that with thanksgiving. We, we replace that with encouraging. And we replace that with silence. It's a great one right there. <laughs> it's the hardest one. <laughs> Some verses for that. First Thessalonians 5, 18 to 19. Ephesians 4, 29 through 5, 4. And Mark 7, 21 through 23. Sure. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 18 through 19, Ephesians 4, 29 through Ephesians 5, verse 4, Mark 7, 21 through 23. Another really, Mark 7, 21 through 23. Another real simple thing we do is we manage our time that you need to have. Actually, you're going to have to sit down. I can't tell you how many times I've done this over the years, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard it over the years. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Like, I'm so, I'm so excited about spending more time with the Lord. I'm totally going to do it. Like, I was at this conference, and it was, like, so good, and they were telling us, like, you just have to schedule. And I'm, I'm gonna, I, I listened to the power of, of a focused life. I mean, that might be goal, and that 15 minutes, and scheduling everything. I'm so going to do that. And it's a year later, not doing it. Not only are you not doing it, you're not even reading the Bible. And if you, if you are not intentional with your time, your time runs away. And you, time is like the, one of the greatest um, economies that we have. Like you, once it's gone, it's gone. It's like if you wasted it, it's gone. You don't get to get it back. You can't ever make it up. And so you need to manage that time. You need to actually write out a schedule of when you are going to read your word. You need to write a schedule when you're going to pray in the spirit. And you need to manage your time so that you can actually... Um, do the disciplines that, are, that we need to do to, in order to train up our inner man, to grow in the knowledge of God. If you're an athlete, if you don't practice the disciplines, you're going to stink at your sport. And I don't care how much um, natural ability you have. Natural ability only takes you so far because there's always somebody better than you. And in the kingdom, your natural ability, you don't have any because we came in... We came in with a deficit, if you think about it, you know, a, a sinful, weak, disgusting flesh filled with pride, arrogance, lust, filth, complaining. I mean, you name it. That's what I had to bring him. And he goes, oh, wonderful. I'm going to give you beauty. I'm going to give you, um, oh, my gosh, I can't even, I'm not even going to go there what he gave us. <laughs> we, uh, we don't have time for that. Um, we, we come in with a deficit, and he gives us all these treasures and wealths that we would have never accessed before. So we train up our inner man. You also do this by fasting. You fast. What happens when you fast is your flesh is starving. You starve out your inner man. And your insides are going, oh, I need something. I'm hungry. And what you do when you fast, all of your, um, what happens, fasting is like a pressure cooker. When you fast, all your, um, all your inhibitions that you can usually push, all that disgusting stuff that comes up in you when you're like angry or frustrated and all that kind of stuff that usually comes up. Fasting uh, speeds it up, brings it out faster. So when we fast, we actually, we actually give, our, give our insides more room to be filled with the Lord because we're not filling ourselves with uh, food and, and uh, pushing it down. All that stuff starts coming to the surface. So you fast and all of a sudden, you can see what's really happening on your insides. And you're going, oh, oh gosh. Oh, please help me hunger and thirst for righteousness. Please, please, please. You are the bread. You're, you're the bread. I need help. Fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. And he does. And fasting isn't a way of earning it. Fasting is your, once again, fasting is your vial. Fasting is your extravagant offering before the Lord. It doesn't earn you anything, actually. Not at all. <laughs> not even remotely. It actually is really not that fun. But what happens... <laughs> What happens is he fills you with himself just because you did it because you felt like it because you wanted just a little more of him. You thought, hey, maybe, maybe like I'll, 
like, go a little bit of my flesh today so I can have a little bit more of you. And he's like, whoa, I love when you do that. I love when you do that. Here's more of me. And he fills you with more of him. It says that he is waiting. Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 30. It says that he is waiting. The Lord is waiting to be gracious to you. I don't know about you. I'm never waiting to be gracious. I am impatient. I am filled with complaining and all kinds of things. I'm not waiting to be gracious. He is so not like us. He's waiting to be gracious to us. He's waiting for us to ask him for the very things that are on his heart. He's looking at you today going, oh, just say it for a minute. Just say it for one minute that you want me. And then he answers you. Every time you tell him, he answers you. Another thing is give money. Number four, give money. Give as much money as possible to the kingdom of God beyond your personal comfort and your personal honor. Go beyond that. First Timothy 6, 8 is a good one for that. Luke 6, 38. First Timothy 6, 8, Luke 6, 38. And the last one is probably the biggest point is communing prayer, is connecting with the Holy Spirit throughout the day to 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And this is the, the main point I really want to talk to you about. If you are wanting to grow in intimacy with the Lord, the best way for you to grow in intimacy with the Lord. In John 16, if you haven't read it through John, read it over and over and over again. John 16 talks about the gift that we've been given and the fact that we, in this room, all of us, if you have called in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved, you have the... This just messes me up even to say it. You have the third person of the Trinity living inside of you. He lives inside you. What is that? Yeah, hello. My name's Leah Morgan. The third person of the Trinity is in me. (laughs) I mean, for real. The third person of the Trinity resides in you. Jesus left on purpose. He left on purpose. John 16, it says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that Moses never had. I'm going to do something that Ruth never got to tap into. I'm going to do something that Job had no idea about. I'm going to send the third person of this unending triune love communion. I'm going to send him to you so that he can fellowship with you and that he can purify you and he can refine you and he can make you ready so that on that day when I step down on the Mount of Olives and the Mount splits in two, you're going to be standing there ready for me, pure and spotless with your insides cleaned out. You're going to look just like me. You're going to smell just like me and you're going to be worthy of me on that day. The third person of the Trinity lives inside of you. In John 16, I think it's verse 15, Jesus says to the disciples, all things, now this is good, this, this verse overwhelms me and it convicts me at the same time every single day. All things that the Father has are mine. Now this is Jesus talking. All things that God the Father, the uncreated, almighty, omnipotent, alpha and omega, has everything that God has and everything that God is and everything that God will be in the age to come, it's all mine. And not only is it all mine, let's keep reading. He says, therefore I said that he will take of mine, that he, the Holy Spirit, 
will take of mine and will do what? He will declare it to you. Okay, intimacy with God. I want to know what God's like. I want to know how I can get rid of more of me. I want to know how today I can crucify my flesh. I want to know how today I can grow in the spirit of revelation. I want to know today how I can be filled with love. I want to know today how I can love my neighbor. I want to know today how I can lose the spirit of anger. I want to know today how I cannot be filled with the lust of the flesh, but be filled with the spirit like it says in Ephesians 5, 8. Do not indulge in the lust of the flesh, but be filled with the spirit. How do you be filled with the spirit? You talk to him. He lives in you. We talk to the life of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity who resides within you. What does that look like? I hear that phrase all the time. What does that look like? You know what? Let's demystify the what does that look like. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, thank you for your leadership. You don't have to ask him to come like you do the Father. He's already here. Every single day you can tap that. Every single day. So many of you in this room have questions about your future. You have questions about your life. You have questions about your heart reality before God. Do I really know him? Do I fellowship with you? Where am I headed in my life? What are you doing with my life? You know what? There are answers for you. And he responds to you every single day. How do you grow in communion with him? How do you be filled with him? You talk to him. When you talk to the Father, we gaze at the throne. We look. We stand on that sea of glass like crystal. There's one sitting on a throne. There's elders, living creatures, seraphim crying aloud. There's mystery and beauty that we have not even seen on this side of, side of eternity. We, when we stand before that throne, we ask the Father for things. I stand before the throne and I go, oh, God, please, I need you. But when you commune with the Spirit, you say, Thank you, because he's already in you. It's, it's Jesus' gift to us that he would reside in you. It's to your advantage that Jesus took those nails. It's to your advantage, besides your salvation, that, I mean, besi okay, that was too trite. Oh, my gosh, that was way too trite. We are not going to, for the rest of our days, burn in the lake of fire and brimstone. We are not going to hell and damnation that we all in this room deserve. We've been rescued. We've been snatched out of the pit. And we're not going. We are not going. And we deserve it. Thank you, God. Oh, my gosh. But besides that amazing gift, I mean, that's enough. For, for that simple fact alone, he should never give me another thing. I feel it every single day. I, I, I am so aware of what I've been saved from. I'm so aware of where I should be going, and I'm not going. I mean, I should be hopping up and down every day. I'm not going. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going. He doesn't owe me anything. He saved me from hell. He saved me from hell and eternal damnation and separation from God, burning in the lake of fire forever. But besides that, he goes, no, Leah, you don't even know. I'm waiting to be gracious to you. I want to give you the fullness that is me. I want to fill you with the life of the Trinity, that there is purity, that there is godliness, that there is holiness, that there is righteousness from another age. Then I want to give you on this side of eternity that you don't have to be overcome by the lust of the flesh. You don't have to be given over to depression. You don't 
don't have to be given over to oppression. You don't have to be given over to sins that ensnare us. They don't have to ensnare you. You don't have to be overcome on this side of eternity. That you can have freedom on this side. You can have freedom from anxiety. You can have freedom from fear. You can have freedom from the snare that the enemy is trying to ensnare you with every single day. That if you have sins that you're struggling with right now, there is freedom for you. That you are not stuck in what you have. You do not have to, you will not be, if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, it does not have dominion over you. You know why? Because the third person of the Trinity lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. And all we have to do is fellowship with him. All we have to do is talk to him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your leadership. Thank you for your kindness in our lives. And then pause. You pause for a minute. And let him move. Let him move in your inner man. Let him expand on the inside of you. Let him push out the impurities. Let him push out the lust that you're struggling with. Let him push out the fear that you wrestle with. Let him push out anxiety. Let him push out shame and condemnation. Let him have the free course that he's offered you. Pause. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You are so kind. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you declare the Father to me. Ask him. Ask him. Talk to him. It was, that's it. That's it. That's intimacy with God. And you'll stand before the throne on that day great in the kingdom of God. Why? Because you know him. You talk to him. He's alive on the inside, and what happens is, all of a sudden, Leah Morgan's not so much Leah Morgan anymore. All of a sudden, Leah Morgan looks a little more like Jesus. Why? Because she started talking to him. Gave up a hamburger every now and again. Big deal. We're going to eat a lot in the age to come. <laughs> For real. I mean, 70 years of what? Eating? Who cares? forever, forever, that you're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. You'll be satisfied forever. No more sorrow, no more sighing. It'll all flee away. There'll be no more mourning, no more pain. You're going to be with him forever. So who cares what you have to give up on this side? This side is dumb. It is, for real. Vanity. I love, I love Solomon. Vanity. It's all vanity. For real it is. I mean, it's 70 years, for real. You're going to spend forever with him. And I don't want to get there on that day and go, huh, your hair looks different than I, th I imagined. I don't want to be unacquainted with him. You know, I don't want my friendship to start then. I don't want to, I don't want to enter that day going, I, I, don't, I don't really recognize you. Huh? I want to stand there going, that is my friend. Let's go talk. You know, we, we want to show up there alive in love with him. And you can have it here. You can have it here. Fellowship with the life of the spirit that's inside of you. Access him. If you're struggling with sin, if you are struggling right now with um, shame, pause. You can do it in your car. For those of you who work full-time jobs, I encourage you in your car, sing the, sing the word. If, you, if you're having a hard time stirring up your inner man, sing in the spirit. I know it sounds so retarded sometimes. It really does. I mean, it, it, it offends me that I, that I do it still. 
And, and it's one of my favorite things in the world. I love singing in the spirit. I'm like, at Walmart, I was singing in the spirit, and I was like, I sound like a raving total lunatic, and I don't even care. <laughs> you know, sing in the spirit, because what happens is, it's the same thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your leadership. Except, something happens to us with music. It stirs up our inner man. It awakens our inner man. I think it's because the, the very core of God's being, he's musical. There's music in him. There's things inside of him. So when we sing, it stirs us up on the inside. So when you sing in the spirit, it says that when we sing in the spirit, when we uh, pray in the spirit, it says that we speak mysteries and that we speak directly to God. So when you sing in the spirit, you don't understand what you're saying, and that's the best part about it. Because think of when you're communing with your friends. You just, sometimes you just run out of things to say. You're just like, uh, I got nothing else to say. That's so, Jesus was so kind to us, and he goes, oh, that's okay. Just sing in the spirit. You don't know anything that you're saying, and you sound really dumb, especially like in your world where everybody has everything just right, you know. You look like a lunatic, but the reality is when you sing in the spirit, you are tapping in to the life of the Trinity once again, and he's declaring mysteries. He's declaring things that were hidden in the bosom of the Father from eternity past, that he is declaring really for real what God is like in your inner man, and the best part is, you didn't, do, you didn't have anything to do with it. He just wanted to access you. He just wanted to fill you on the inside. And he wanted you to make you like him. So you sing in the spirit. And you sing the word. Beloved, this book is the means to the secret regions of the heart of God. If you want to know anything about him, it's all here. It's all right here. Sing the word. Sing the word in your car. Sing it on your way to Walmart. Sing it when you're taking your kids to school. Sing it when you're riding your bike. Sing it when you're working out. I mean, we are all great, especially in the West, we're all real great with our disciplines of, I'm gonna work out every day, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. We're real good at taking care of ourselves on the outside. We need to start taking care of ourselves on the inside. Sing the word, tap into the life of the Trinity inside of you, access him. Let's just stand for a minute. I just would like everyone to close their eyes for just a minute. Just imagine the gift that's inside of you that we have been given. Jesus says to you, even right now, it's to your advantage that I left because then I will send the, ho the helper. I'll give you the comforter. And he will take of what is mine, everything that is the Father's. Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and kindness, faithfulness, justice, truth, mercy, jealousy, anger, wrath, zeal. It's all in him. And everything that is in him, he'll take of that and he will declare it to you. So Holy Spirit, we say thank you. Thank you for your leadership. If you're struggling, even 
even in the last year, you've been struggling with besetting sins or you've been struggling with anxiety. You struggle with depression that you just can't get under the, you can't get out from under the cloud. You just can't seem to get freedom over that one thing. It's just nagging you and nagging you. And it's hindering your access. It's hindering you. It's causing shame. If you struggle with shame, you can't approach him. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us, even now. Have access to that in my heart. You root out everything that is not Jesus, everything that is not the Father, and declare, replace it with everything that is. Declare the Father to me. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you. Oh, thank you for your mercy. 